Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church for counseling and discipleship. We're live from the 2019 Call to Counsel Conference, and we're joined with our co-host, Shauna. Hello. Hello, hello. And Jeremy Lelick. Good morning. Good morning. And our special guest, Curtis Solomon. Solomon, how are you doing? Sorry, I had to call you Solomon. Songs of Solomon had to do it. I apologize. Uh, understandable. I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to you. It's like I get that all the time, whatever. <laughs> I mean, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we're glad you're here. And we know that you are going to be covering the track PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there is a lot to say in that. And we want to hand hand it over to you and talk about that because there's a lot to talk about and how it applies to the local church. Now, for sure. tons of people know who you are, but there's a few that probably doesn't. So you want to introduce yourself and just kind of tell them who you are. And Sure. Yeah. My name is Curtis Solomon. I'm the director of the Biblical Counseling Coalition, uh, the ministry that was created by the leaders of the Biblical Counseling Movement to bring unity uh, to the movement. So we seek to enhance and advance biblical counseling globally through building relationships and providing great resources for people. Awesome. Perfect podcast for you. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, yes it is. Uh, so yeah, we want, we want to jump right in because this is definitely a topic that is definitely underutilized in the church as far as having a, a good knowledge base and, and in really a pathway in the church to help our brothers and sisters in Christ that struggle with this type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the first thing that I like to do with people is, is actually a talk that I give called demystifying PTSD on really taking the D out of PTSD, helping people to understand that this is really not as much an abnormal reaction to normal life. Mm. It's really a more of a normal response to really extreme difficult circumstances. And that's really helpful, not only for the, the person who's struggling, who's been given this label, but also for the person who's trying to help them out uh, mm. because we can really, we can get scared by those labels sometimes. Well, wow. We could almost stop right there. That was so good. I mean, that changes everything in the directory of how we understand it and then how we can now help other people. So that's yeah. really good. Yeah. So, so how do we demystify? Well, a couple of things that we want to do to help demystify it. I, I approach it in a talk, both for the counselee, just helping them understand what's going on with them uh, physiologically mm-hmm. as well as spiritually, what are some of the things that they're, they're facing? Because a lot of people, when they begin to experience the symptoms of post-traumatic stress the first time, they have no idea what's going on. Some of them have gone to the hospital thinking they're having epileptic seizures, mm-hmm. uh, panic attacks and other things like that. And they think, what is happening to my body? And so just helping them understand that when the body if faces extreme trauma, it can actually undergo physiological changes in the brain, especially related to the fight, flight, uh, or freeze system that many of us are familiar with that, that God given fear response that keeps us safe, gets us ready to run away from something dangerous or crush it, mm-hmm. depending on uh, which mode you jump into and how well-trained you are to handle the difficult situations that come your way. Um, the other thing is just helping people understand that this is not a military only issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, this was really identified in the military because of the, the research that was behind uh, the Department of Veterans Affairs and the Department of Defense after uh, Vietnam in particular. But this is really a life, uh, human life struggle, something that's been going on with people from from Adam and Eve, I think you can even argue not that we want to reverse diagnose people in scripture with this, but uh, I, I often ask people, have you ever wondered why Noah went and got drunk as soon as he could mm. when he got off that ark? Mm. Just imagine yeah. what it would have been like 
for him to see and hear wow. the entire world wiped out. Mm. I, yeah. Wow. That just blew my mind. So, so we d- typically do just identify this as being an, an issue for people in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some examples of trauma that would fit into PTSD that are not uh, related necessarily to war or being in the military? Yeah. Yeah. The combat trauma uh, is a definitely part of the military experience. But if you think about first responders, law enforcement officers, mm. uh, if they're involved in a shooting, obviously that, that can be traumatic, but also they should, they roll up on accidents. They have heard police officers who've struggled because they've seen families burned alive in a vehicle. They couldn't wow. get them out of, mm. um, you're the first on the scene for a suicide when, you know, when the, when they call and there's a gunshot, first responders go in and they see the aftermath of some of those things. Then firefighters, EMTs, mm. I've worked with people who spend their lives trying to rescue people and then they, you know, they get them stabilized, they hand them off to somebody else. And then they find out later that person died. That can have an effect that can have an impact. Uh, but it's not just professional uh, people who encounter it. If you think about vehicular accidents, mm. people who are victims of uh, violent crime, mm. natural disasters, uh, you know, you heat, the tsunamis, the hurricanes, all these things you're seeing and experiencing the threat uh, to loss of life or limb. Uh, and that's really how I like to limit the definition of trauma as something that is actually threatening or does uh, threaten to take away one's life, one's physical integrity, or even sexual assault is another category. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mentioned, uh, victims of crime. And I think that really is because we are created in the image of God and anything that attacks that image and our gender, our sec- our sexuality is part of, of that being created in the image of God throughout human history and all throughout scripture. We identify people as, as virgins and not virgins. Mm, right. right. Mm-hmm. And so it's part of, part of what we hold dear as our, our personhood. And when those types of things get attacked, um, or even threatened to be attacked, that can be very traumatic and cause those, those yes. types of symptoms to, to come up. What, what about like familial uh, patterns, uh, growing up, parenting, children, abuse, those kind of things? Yeah, you have, you have um, parents who abuse children. Those children can oftentimes struggle with post-traumatic stress and the, the symptoms associated with that, that issue. But not only that, um, when you're talking, when we're in the research and you're researching post-traumatic stress disorder, there's different factors that influence how people respond to traumatic events. Mm. So that's why it can feel very condemning or shameful, especially for combat veterans, uh, when they all go, you know, their unit experiences something together. Yes. And three of them develop post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. and they don't see the others in their unit struggling the same way. Mm-hmm. They can be, begin to feel very burdened with shame. Well, there's a lot of factors that play into how we respond, both genetics, um, there, there would call pre-traumatic, peritraumatic and post-traumatic factors. And those pre-traumatic factors, a lot of it on, in, involves where you come from, the experiences you had, the core beliefs that you held true. So if you're raised in a, in a church that tells you, you follow Jesus, everything's going to go great for you. Uh, God's going to bless you and you'll never have severe problems. And then you are deployed to a combat theater and your best friend steps on an IED and gets blown away right in front of you. Those two things 
don't mesh up. Mm-hmm. Completely and, antithetical to each other, aren't they? Yeah. 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 And so, and I've had the account of multiple veterans who've said when that happened, something had to give. And for some of them, it was their faith. They're, wow. they're un- so you see how somebody's upbringing, um, and then if they were abused as a child, that will radically impact how they respond to trauma as an adult. But not only if they were abused, but what kind of support system do they have when they were abused? So if you think about the kid who is being molested over and over and over, especially if it's by a family member, that family member and that family is not providing them a stable, loving environment and not teaching them the appropriate responses to suffering and difficulty. Mm-hmm. So they develop their own responses to handle suffering and difficulty, but oftentimes they're the kinds of things that are going to be very negative. Um, so then later on in life, when they get hit with more trauma, they respond in similar ways. So those are the the pre-traumatic factors. And then that that response, how are you responding to suffering that will radically impact uh it can either make it better or it can spiral it down the tube and make it way 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 worse so there's all kinds of factors and then the the idea of peritraumatic factors is what was actually going on in the in the event itself and that includes was it something that happened to me was it something i did um Mm. what who else was involved? You know, if somebody attacks me, that will bother me. But if somebody who is an authority over me, who's supposed to be loving me, who is given God, given responsibility to care for me, attacks me, that's going to impact me much, much worse than if it's a total stranger. Um, and, and when you start to talk about all these things, they actually, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, sure. And that's one of the things I love to tell churches and, and even lay counselors is, this PTSD thing, which seems so scary uh, because it's a label, because we see it depicted really graphically on mm. television or movies, uh, because the VA and the, all these other people seem to not be able to figure out what's going on. It seems really scary, but it's actually, a lot of it makes perfect sense. Sure. And God's word has given us really great insight into how to minister to people who've gone through extreme trauma. Mm. So where would you start, you know, for that counselor who is walking with someone um, struggling in that area? What's a good place to start in that? Yeah, because I've had a couple myself. So, Yeah, I think the most important thing, uh, just like any other case, is to to really begin to develop some type of develop trust. Um, people who've been traumatized have, everybody has walls up when they come in for counseling. Even if somebody's coming to you and saying, I want help. A lot of times, you know, (laughs) they have these walls in place, uh, that they're, that you have to build a rapport with them before they're going to be able to really open up with you. And with trauma sufferers, it's, it's even can be more difficult. So going in with humility, going and asking good questions, letting, communicating that you really love them is important. For somebody who's been a trauma sufferer, if you yourself have gone through something like that too, that can be a, that can be one of the biggest things to crack that door wide open. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, second Corinthians chapter one says that the God of all comforts comforts us and gives us that comfort so that we can comfort others who've gone through any suffering. Mm -hmm. 
So you don't have to have gone through the same type of suffering as somebody else to offer them comfort. But if you have, uh, it just puts flesh onto 1 Corinthians 10, yeah. uh, 13, that no temptation has taken you except that which is common to man. Because that that verse is hard for trauma sufferers to believe. So the 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 sooner you can put flesh to that and demonstrate that to them, that really helps to crack that door open. Uh, so through your own personal testimony, or if you have, if you don't have uh, that kind of suffering in your background, if you can bring other people alongside who mm-hmm. have, that can really, really do that. Kind um, of like an advocate. Yeah. An advocate. If the, especially if there's somebody in your church who's already gone through counsel and seen, seen growth, not perfection, but growth right. uh, through that, similar trial, asking them to come alongside, even just for maybe the beginning of the council uh, or whenever you deem necessary to come in and help build that rapport. Also, there's other ministries as well. The working, my dissertation research is primarily with combat trauma and with a ministry called the Mighty Oaks Warrior Program. And it's a week long program that, that men and women can be flown to. They pay for everything. They fly them out treat them like Kings and Queens for a week as a men's program and a women's program separate. And man, you see those walls come crashing down Mm because especially with combat veterans, you have the trauma wall, you have the veteran civilian wall, then you have the combat veteran versus the regular veteran Mm -hmm. uh, walls. And those are big walls to jump over and a ministry like that can crash through those instantaneously. So Wow, that's awesome. Well, you're um, here at the conference to teach uh, on this specific track. And so outside of the things that you said, are there other um, like tools or resources that you're giving your people uh, that you're ho- or, or wisdom that you're hoping that they walk away with that you can share with us today? Yeah, yeah. There's actually, there will be four of us teaching in the track. Uh, myself, Garrett Higby, Rachel Rosser, and a, and a doctor who's coming alongside us, Patricia Scott. And Patricia's going to talk a lot about the physio, physiological aspect, um, helping people understand neurologically what's going on with post-traumatic stress. Uh, one thing to say on that, because I'm not going to take the time in this podcast to go into all of what's happening. Sure. The beautiful thing is even secular research has identified that talk therapy, uh, you might think that is part of what we do, mm-hmm. uh, in addition, obviously, to Holy Spirit-empowered talk therapy, mm-hmm. um, it can reverse those negative things that happen in the brain. So just because somebody has literal brain damage um, from this doesn't mean that they're beyond the scope of help through biblical counsel. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, awesome. The VA has actually recently said they no longer recommend pharmacotherapy for post-traumatic stress. They, they push everybody to, um, cognitive behavioral type wow. therapies. So, hmm. cause the, they just, there's not the evidence to back up that there's that much effectiveness in pharmacotherapy and there's a lot of negative effects of it as well. Hmm. Um, Rachel's working has done a lot of work with abuse victims, women coming out of long-term abuse, even internationally. She's been overseas working with refugees and other things like that. So she looks at the, what's called complex PTSD. Um, you know, a lot of times we think about people who have a one-time instant trauma and then they're affected from that after. But what about that woman who was beaten week in, week out for mm. six years? Mm. Wow. What kind of effect does that have? It's a lot of overlap, but some, some similar, uh, some distinguishing issues to work through there, especially authority trust issues is really hard to establish that. So with a counselor, how to do that. 
Um, as far as other resources, I have a whole page of resources I'll be giving to the giving to the students in the track for my own talks, um, as well as obviously getting the audio from the conference would be a good yeah. mm-hmm. resource for people to get a hold of. Um, yeah, I could go. Well, you're uh, you're actually is there anything at the, on BCC? Yeah, that's what like I was the website. Biblical Counseling or, Coalition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the Biblical Counseling Coalition, uh, we have a web page that is full of free resources for people. So if you go to BCC, uh, biblicalcc.org or biblicalcounselingcoalition.org, click on the resources tab, and you actually find an alphabetized listing of problems. Uh, so not just PTSD, but everything from self-harm, addiction, anxiety, depression, whatever you can think of. And that's a free of. resource and for the churches? Totally free. That's great that y'all do that. Thank it's, you. Yeah, it's alphabetized and you click on it and there's between three to 120 resources on particular issues. Mm-hmm. So yeah, please check that out. It's totally free. And that's the beauty of what we do is we bring together experts from all different sides of biblical counseling and they contribute to that website. So it's really mm-hmm top-notch stuff. Yeah, and you also have a podcast too. What's up? And we have a podcast called 1514, uh, 15 colon 14 from Romans 15, 14, where Paul tells the church, I'm confident in you brethren that you're full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to counsel one another. And so I interview different people. Jeremy Lalick's been on our podcast before. Um, we'll be interviewing different participants in the ABC conference and it's a weekly podcast that comes out every Saturday. That's great. That is. That's awesome. So something that I would like uh, you to speak on is how the church can best minister to people who are struggling with PTSD. What are some pointers for, for churches? Yeah, I think the first thing is to recognize that there are people in your church who have been through trauma. Um, and so being aware of that and then being looking out for it. Uh, so look for people who tend to isolate themselves. Mm. They don't necessarily want to be in large crowds. A lot of times might be a family member, actually, if somebody's coming to your church who you ask them why, you know, Hey, how come I haven't seen your husband in here? He came for Easter, but haven't seen him beyond that. Just be aware that that's, that's a common thing. Um, and then reach out to them, actively pursue them. Uh, we were just talking about this beforehand. My Uber driver on the way to the airport today was a a combat medic who'd been medically discharged, shot three times uh, when he was in over in, in combat theaters. And one of the things he did, he's not a believer, didn't, but he knew isolation would kill him. Mm. Uh, 20 to 22 veterans a day commit suicide in the United States. And a lot of them are wrestling with post-traumatic stress and being alone in their, with their thoughts is a very dangerous place to be. So uh, one of my favorite quotes from our friend Johnny Erickson taught is community breeds life. Isolation leads to death. Mm. So don't let these people isolate themselves. This guy, his, his outlet was, I'm going to start driving for Uber, so I have to be with people. Oh, wow. He actually intentionally did that mm. as, as a way to combat his post-traumatic stress wow. symptoms. Uh, and so making sure there is a community of people who can come alongside these people, um, people, there, there needs to be a team of, of people counseling, working with somebody who's going through post-traumatic stress because you need multiple people who can be called on at any time to say, Hey, like I am alone in my house by myself. And there is a gun in the closet that looks really tasty. Mm. Um, help me talk me, talk me through this or 
somebody who can pick up the phone because somebody's driving down the highway and they start having panic attacks because something in their peripheral vision triggered the thought that there was an IED there. And the thing is, what you're going to do is you're just going to talk to them and say, okay, we're going to speak the truth. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren, whatever is true, you know, that, that whole laundry list of words that Paul gives there, the first thing he says is think about what is true. Mm. So you're going to remind them you're not in Afghanistan. You're not in Iraq. You're on I-75. There's never been an IED attack on I-75. You're okay. Um, Let's just pray to the Lord. Let's take those thoughts captive and start to think about what's true and calm yourself down. And they hop back in the truck and keep going. But they they need to have people who they can actually call, uh, who understand what's going on, who can help talk them through some of those, some of those difficult situations. And the key there is getting their mind focused on truth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Trying to remind them where they are. Cause a lot of times, one of the things with post-traumatic stress is what's called disassociation. Um, and that's just basically where you stop living in the reality of right now. We oftentimes think of flashbacks. There are, there are different types of disassociation. Flashbacks is one of the most common that people are aware of where you actually mentally either start, you've put yourself back into the trauma. You start thinking about and, and re envisioning the trauma and sometimes even acting it out. Mm. Uh, and that can be really scary for people who are around that person, but also for that person. So if you can just begin to understand that's part of what's happening is the fear response system has been so overloaded by trauma that when it's, when it's engaged, when it's enacted by something that reminds the person of the trauma, even if it's completely unrelated, the brain is a learning security system. So Mm -hmm. it's latching on to every ounce of stimuli around it when a traumatic event happens so that in the future, if something else that your, your brain is trying to avoid that trauma again, so it latches onto all that stimuli and any stimuli that comes along, whether you are cognizant of it or not, your brain latched onto it and it can throw you into one of those episodes with, without ever recognizing it, without knowing it. So. It is amazing to me how just vast and amazing God has made the human being where the brain to your point, that that internal control system that the brain has, where it takes just the existential realities of our senses and recreates those things. Um, so it's, it's good. And I appreciate that Curtis, because it's good for our people to realize that it can be scary when you're looking at that, mm-hmm. but realizing what's happening in that person's soul. Yep. And then it's care first. Um, so that's good. That's really good. Well, I, I can tell you, you know, when I, when I have obviously in pastoral care, knowing that PTSD and having counselors that either has a testimony or a love for that area to be able to encourage people in there. I just hearing you talk now actually brought a little conviction in a way of saying, how are we as a church specifically loving the veterans well? And that could be almost an area that, man, that you build a, a leadership team or team up to really care for them well, because that's going to need a lot of intentionality and in that care. Mm -hmm. 
and and being able the church is the one to give that eternal hope. I mean, that's where it should be and to be able to welcome them home and love them well on that. So I'm I'm so thankful that you took time to really break that down for us today. And so let me ask you this just really quick. You you mentioned uh, Corinthians already, but is mm-hmm. there another passage that you recommend a lot or you find yourself um, kind of constantly in the counseling sessions, maybe a Psalms or any other scripture that you'd like to recommend? Yeah, I mean, there's tons. Um one is Psalm chapter six. You know, if you you think about it, actually throughout human history, uh, intense suffering is more common than not. You know, our mm. relatively safe and secure Western environment is relatively new and kind of an anomaly in human history. Yeah. So actually our trauma, especially combat veterans, are probably more closely familiar with the, the reality of human suffering and the reality yeah. of human history than, than most of us are. Yep. And if you think about the Psalms, many of them written by David, who was a combat warrior. Yeah. I mean, think about, mm. he mutilated the dead bodies of, of thousands of his enemy in order to get his dowry. Wow. Uh, yeah. Modern, uh, modern today, we would probably consider him a monster. Yeah. Yeah. And we would. And yeah. so some of these guys are thinking of themselves mm. that way. So they can connect with guys like David yeah, wow. and guys like Saul Good. very, very well. So Psalm chapter six is actually one that we go to a lot. And it's one of those ones where David is just crying out and saying, you know, he, he soaks his couch with tears in the evening. And that like that phrase wow rings true with so many people who are suffering with post-traumatic stress, whether they're veterans or victims of abuse or whatever. And you look at these guys, I mean, I've seen guys that are former Navy SEALs, force recon Marines, green, you know, special operations guys of all walks. Mm-hmm. And every one of them will tell you, yeah, I can relate to that mm-hmm. because they know they, they've lived it. So the Psalms uh, too, for I mean, how many of us who are biblical counselors don't go to the Psalms mm-hmm. regularly because oh, it yeah. just mm-hmm. so connects with the human mm-hmm. experience so well. Yeah. God put those words in a very emotive language to really connect with us in a deep way. So lots of the Psalms, Psalm, Psalm 6 comes to mind a lot. Um, I do training on pre-traumatic counseling with people saying, hey, we as churches actually should be preparing each other to face trauma very well. If we have a really robust theology of suffering, Mm. uh, when we face suffering, we're going to have be better equipped to deal with it. Um, I think it's 1 Samuel 23 where David meets Abigail uh, and Abigail's husband is a total idiot. (laughs) I think his name even means foolish, right? And and she actually confronts David and says, David, if you kill him for your name's sake, will not your heart be troubled? She's not telling him not to kill. She actually praises his military exploits, but says, if you kill for your name's sake and not in the name of the Lord, then you'll be troubled. And any any mm. police officer who's been in an officer involved shooting knows if you feel just if the shooting is declared justified. Uh, you get the backing of your command and you know that what you did was right. PTSD is probably not going to be an issue. Yeah. It's when you start getting questioned or, or second guessing whether or not that was a justified shooting that causes a lot of trouble. Yeah. Cause yeah. if you can't reconcile justification, you end up with what guilt and shame. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. And then, you know, and that's another thing is the, is a huge, huge, especially for the combat veterans, the guilt and shame portion is a big part of it. Um, because a lot of times they'll tell you that it's not what happened to me, but what I did that bothers me. And that is in the wheelhouse of the biblical counselor because man, 
scripture is the answer to forgiveness. Right. You know, forgiveness is the answer to that guilt and shame, not mm-hmm. uh, all the other things the world throws at it. Mm-hmm. Man, that's good. Jeremy, did you have any uh, final thoughts or questions before we wrap up? Well, I just want to say that I'm extremely honored that you're here and you bring your expertise. Yeah. We didn't mention this, but Curtis is actually uh, a military veteran, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so you know, we're just glad that you have gathered this team together and you guys are going to be providing an, an excellent resource for the yes, church. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me here. And thanks so much for the opportunity to to teach this at the conference. I'm really looking forward to it. And thanks for all that you do on BCC, those resources yes. and stuff. That's going to be awesome for the churches. So we really appreciate the fact that you would offer that for free. Yeah, we'll yeah. definitely high center yes. on that, on that particular episode. And actually, lastly, with that being said, Curtis, I want to ask, um, maybe down the road and in, in the up, up and coming months, if you would be open and willing to do just a PTSD uh, piece, like a few, maybe three episodes or something like that, because I actually have friends who are in the military and in my working experience. So it would be a huge, huge opportunity to just have a lot of conversation around this because there's so much to discuss. Yeah, absolutely. I'd I'd love to. Okay, great. All right. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you being here and uh, we appreciate everybody listening. And again, just encourage you to leave us a review and some comments um, and let us know what you guys would like to hear. Thank you.